It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, legendary urban spray paint artist and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. More than ever, the task that college administrators, athletic directors have to not only build a great program, keep it going, but also to do it in the right way with a bunch of moving parts that get thrown at them uh, from what's going on with admissions, uh, NCAA changes, all the things that, that administrators, athletic directors have to deal with. I thought it would be great to bring in somebody who regularly talks with and is devoted to working with athletic directors, uh, primarily at small and medium-sized schools, but that also you know, has you know, touch points with, with athletic directors uh, at the larger schools as well. Uh, and that is Jim Abbott. And he is the uh, founder of Bosca, the business of small college athletics, uh, athletic director himself. And he, I, I wanted to bring him in as we start the new year to kind of give uh, a status report on what's going on around campuses. And if you're a coach that's listening to this, I think it's important for you to understand what your athletic director goes through, what's on their mind, what the landscape looks like, because many of you will become athletic directors and uh, you may be actually be wanting to plug into this resource when that happens that uh, the Jim Abbott offers uh, through Bosca, but also just to understand what goes on behind the closed door of your athletic director on campus, uh, because I think more than ever, things have changed so so much in the last 36 months for them. And, and certainly these next 12 months will be um, not, not short on changes and challenges. Uh, I think it's important for everybody within the athletic director to get a good, or the athletic department to get a good understanding of, of what the landscape looks like. So Jim Abbott, thank you for joining us here on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. You bet, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and so just I'll start with your organization and kind of uh, why you started it, what it does, just to give people an understanding and a framework for uh, your conversations that you have with athletic directors around the country at that level uh, and for people who just want to uh, maybe look into you a little bit further and what Bosca does after they listen to the podcast Um just can you give me kind of an idea of, of you know, just what it is, how it started and, and your role in it? You bet. Um, well, uh, I, uh, in 2002, I fulfilled my lifelong ambition and became an athletic director. And it took me uh, a couple of months to realize that I was pretty naive about what the job was. And even though I had spent 15 years working in college athletics, I was overwhelmed as a, as a, kind of a polite way of putting it. Um, and so I really kind of reached this fight or flight uh, sort of point of do I do I work like crazy to get better or do I just get the heck out of here? And so um, fast forward about 10 years and uh, really when I think about my success as an AD, I spent 20 years as a NAI athletic director uh, our teams won 48 national championships during that period. And, and one of the things that really propelled me was this desire to never really reach my full potential, mm. to stay hungry, to keep growing. And so as I, I really started Bosca for selfish reasons, and those were that there just wasn't enough professional development that was geared more towards smaller athletic departments. 
I was engaged in NACTA. I was on the executive board. I did a variety of things, but it's just really difficult for me to listen to a uh, Gene Smith at Ohio State talk about how he runs his department and really um, apply that to what I was dealing with at Oklahoma City University. So um, I retired a little over a year ago as an athletic director, uh, and it really enabled me to continue doing what I'm passionate about, which is trying to help the next generation of administrators avoid some of the anxiety and uncertainty and and just not really knowing what to do. Yeah. So for 11 years, that's been a workshop that I host in person in the summer. Um, we've expanded that over the past year or so, and we now do virtual programming. I'm going to do my first regional one-day event. Just, uh, you know, I'm just facilitating bringing people together to network and share ideas and, and maybe stoking them uh, some thoughts that will improve their campus. So that's what I do full time. I, I just uh, try to reach out and help other people who want to be great uh, in serving their university and their department. Yeah. And we'll give all the links and everything uh, for the um, for the site at smallcollegeathletics.com is where you can find all that information. But we'll link to that in the podcast notes for anybody who wants to check it out. And I really uh, advise people to do that, especially if you're an athletic director uh, and you aren't engaged with Bosco. But it, even if you're a coach, lots of good uh, information there. Uh, and also, if you're a coach who somebody wants to be an athletic director, uh, this is the organization that you want to plug into as soon as possible uh, to to learn, like Jim just said, some of the things that you'll need to learn to be successful at the job. So uh, again, Jim, thanks for being here. I want to dive in now to, again, as we start 2023, what your observations are about the landscape, especially around small college athletics, but really that even if you want to expand it out into just college sports in general, um, can you kind of give me a two-minute State of the Union type of overview of what you're hearing, you know, the, the challenges, what's going right, wrong, and what you're just hearing from uh, the people that are involved in, in Bosca that you help uh, on a daily basis now uh, as a part of your job? I'll, I'll do my best. Um, you know, the things, as I work with administrators, the big concerns that I'm kind of hearing about, and this isn't new, number one would just be finances. Um, you know, you have state universities and, and lots of states are uh, facing revenue challenges and they're giving less money to higher education than they ever have. Um, and so a lot of those state schools that really did not have robust external relations programs are trying to catch up. Uh, mm -hmm. They're trying to figure out ways to, to generate additional revenue to do the things that they want to do. Uh, similarly, private institutions, uh, I mean, it has been a challenge for many years. Uh, you have a few of what I would call the haves, the people that have very successful models and offer programs that are in demand and and they truly manage enrollment, mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot more of the of the uh, maybe the other side. I, I really, it's not fair to call them the have-nots, but there's just a lot of schools that are hustling to uh, because enrollment plays such an important factor in the revenue side of their business. So, um, what we have seen as we are entering a recession is the cost of everything has gone up. Um, 
but the resources available on campus to to pay those additional costs have, if you're lucky, stayed the same, but in many cases dropped. Right. So um, more than ever, I, I would say that finances are are really the big challenge. How do you take a diminishing source of resources to um, apply it against expenses that continue to rise? Right. Um, I think staffing is a big issue. Uh, uh, you know, I just I mentioned to you that I retired about a year ago, and and I'll admit that some of that was just after 20 years. I, I felt like I had kind of done what I could do, but um, uh, a piece of it for me was just dealing with the fact that um, it was very challenging to keep staff. Mm. Um, our business is a lifestyle. I started in the early 80s working in minor league baseball, and I realized very quickly and it has a little to do with your passion for sports, but it's nights and weekends and holidays and so, um, you know, it, it particularly areas like athletic training, uh, sports information is very, very challenging these days because they're very demanding jobs, but more so coaches and administrators. Um, it's challenging to uh, keep a consistent staff together. Right. Uh, and I think that's something that we see really across the board at every level. Um Finally, I would say a little bit about governance. You know, you talked about changes in the NCAA, and we're all sort of waiting to see where that falls out. Um, we have seen the NCAA hire a new president who has much more of a political background. Right, right. And, and I find that intriguing. I, it's particularly intriguing and, and ought to be a little frightening at a time in the world where Congress cannot agree on a speaker. <laughs> that we're going to rely on political assistance to sort of sort out what NIL means and, and, and sort of the future direction. So I would say there are a lot of big balls in the air that, yeah. that make this job harder than it's ever been. You mentioned, I'm going to go back to the financial part, because again, whether an athletic director is listening to this, whether you're a coach, an assistant coach that's part-time, that's getting you know really not enough money to make the job worth it, but like you mentioned, it's a lifestyle and they want to pursue this career. I think we have, I have seen over 20 years of, of working on the side of college athletics that more and more of the job, more and more of the focus becomes financial, whether that's raising money or how to do less or do more with less uh, of a budget. And I, I want to apply this to two different people. So for the small college athletic director, how much of their job now do you feel like going forward is going to be focused on things like fundraising and uh, the development side of, of of that job, which used to be sort of farmed out to different people on campus, or donations would just come in in the in the good old days where you know you wouldn't really have to work for it, or you had enough support coming in from the state or coming in from a different sources. Um, so for athletic directors, um, you've already sort of outlined the challenge. What are the things that? you're hearing successful athletic directors doing to address the financial side of things. What, what is the, the remedy or what is the patchwork that they can put together to hold it together as they, you know, as they go into these next couple of years? Yeah, Dan, I'm going to say it's prevalent at every level. Yeah. Um, uh, 
the resources provided by the institution, the resources that just naturally organically occur, you know, the, the donor who loves you and just sends you a check. Um, it's not enough. You know, we're watching football on TV and, and we're seeing all of these things occur because one, there's an appetite for it, which is a great thing for us. Uh, but two, we need the money. Um, so in my case, I would say, depending on the time of the year, I spent 40 or 50% of my time uh, trying to find external resources. Um, I had the advantage that I worked in my position for 20 years. So when I started, we did almost nothing. Uh, and I literally looked at meager expenses and said, how are we going to pay for this? Um, and, and so I built a comprehensive program. When I train administrators now, you know, sort of the starting place are things like annual giving and sponsorships. Those are, those are just natural things that occur. Um, and make no mistake, there are plenty of schools that just don't, um, haven't tapped into it. Uh, there might be athletic administrators who just aren't comfortable with it. Um, but it is uh, more and more critical. Uh, we went from uh, maybe that first year when we were just trying to, we, uh, you know, we were trying anything we could to make a few bucks. Right. We went from generating probably forty or fifty thousand dollars to regularly generating seven or eight hundred thousand dollars a year to support our uh, department. And um, and I can tell you, you would think, oh, well, that that must have life was all great at that all point. Right. And and the fact is, uh, I never stopped worrying about money. Right. Um, I was one of the first ADs in our conference who had never coached. Uh, and, and I'm not, to your listeners who coach, I'm not suggesting that um, that coaches don't make great administrators. They do. Um, what I would say to you, if you have an interest in becoming an administrator, is start understanding that now. Yeah. Um, particularly at small colleges, we have to be versatile. And the more people that can... Uh, develop skills in areas that push us forward as a department, the better. So, um, you know, to circle back to your real question, uh, administrators are having to spend more and more time thinking about uh, finances. They are having to spend more and more time training their staff in terms of little things that they can do that that will um, contribute to those efforts. Uh, things like communicating, things like um, updating addresses of alumni uh, or uh, suggesting here is a relationship I have that we could monetize for our department. Uh, so it's, it's significant. And for the coach that's listening to this, uh, who maybe is listening to this and later this afternoon was going to go in and, you know, ask for an increase in their budget as we, you know, for, you know, <laughs> heading into budget time of the year and, and getting ready for the next fiscal year. Um, as an athletic director, your advice to that coach who genuinely has needs, they're not being, you know, most coaches do not go in and, you know, Hey, you just gave me new field turf last year. Well, this year I want, you know, an increase in the stadium size type of thing. This is, these are pretty practical requests in the coach of a in the mind of a coach. 
what are your suggestions for what coaches need to do to become part of this revenue generating aspect of a college campus that's now required because of the lack of funding that's coming in from that used to come in from those other traditional sources? What what is what is the onus on the coach? Well, I think first and foremost, it's important that coaches are informed, um, that they have a good understanding of the position of the institution. Um, and that falls to a great extent on the athletic director. I served on the cabinet. And so when I had staff meetings, which occurred regularly, I felt like it was my job to transparently inform my staff of the larger issues of the institution. So uh, almost always one of those larger issues is that um, our budget's going to be flat or it's going to be reduced. So I think coaches sometimes are a little naive about those things. But on the other hand, uh, what I knew as an AD is it became increasingly difficult for me to hire a coach and tell the coach, one of the things you're going to have to do is raise $15,000. And, and Dan, that is a reality these days. Right. So I, I really worked hard to involve my coaches in this process what I wanted to create in them was the freedom and the ownership of developing programs. Now, I didn't want them just running off on their own. I really wanted them to work through me uh, and to work through our development um, person so that we weren't, uh, you know, asking Dan Tudor nine different times to support my efforts. Right. Uh, so that we weren't putting out a kind of a negative message. Uh Help me, the university's almost going to close. You know, uh, nobody wants to support a sinking ship. We'll be back to the show in a minute. But first, have you heard about Busy Coach? It's the organizational resource college coaches rely on from Mandy Green, our trusted voice when it comes to running your program, creating more time in your day, and becoming a better leader. After the podcast is over, head over to busy.coach and find out about all the tools she's giving coaches around the country. And now, back to the show. So I think it's important that coaches are able to communicate their needs. I think it's critical that coaches are able to communicate their vision. Um, so it's not just I need money, it's money that I'm going to apply in this way that will allow us to do these things. Uh, and, uh, and that's not difficult, but, but there are just a number of coaches that aren't skilled in that area. Right. Um, they can identify a recruit. They can communicate effectively with that recruit and they can ask that recruit to join their program. Fundraising, sponsorship sales is exactly the same process. Right. Identify, communicate, ask. Um, but it's interesting to me how many coaches feel uncomfortable in that area. You've hit on something I think that is actually a major, if we're specifically talking about small and medium-sized schools where what we're talking about a lot of times should fall in a coach's uh, lap as far as responsibility is the idea of the, the comfort level or the ability to talk about and ask for money. Because a lot of coaches, I think, are, in, number one, embarrassed to do it just because maybe they're on the younger side and so they're not maybe used to some of the business side aspects of, 
of the job yet. They they need some more seasoning in that way. But even the ones who have been on campuses for a while and, and coaches, um, it's almost I think the, the money conversation falls in two areas. Number one, your school might charge seventy thousand dollars for tuition and offer no athletic scholarships. And even if you know you're going to give them fifteen or twenty thousand dollars in in academic money, they're still going to pay fifty. And I have heard behind closed doors <clears throat> a lot of coaches say, you know, I feel guilty asking that family to pay fifty thousand dollars when if I had to pay that, I couldn't even go to my own school based on my salary as an as a new starting coach. So that's number one: is they're equating that with with uh, you know, something at a larger level like admissions. Um, but just the discomfort in the whole money aspect of of college athletics, uh, I agree that 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 is something that younger coaches especially have to get comfortable with. I and mean, certainly, especially if you're going to go into the athletic director side, because of the things you're mentioning, primarily fundraising and development. Well, you, well, you have to have a plan, you know. It and young coaches, old coaches. You know, I, I had a veteran, very successful coach. We would do his annual evaluation. His goals for next year, number one, would always be win the national championship. Right. And um, and I would say, well, you know, let's flesh this out a little bit more. So, but that's uh, the lifestyle. That's the lifestyle part of this. Is <laughs> I've dreamed of winning a national championship, and you know, money's not important necessarily. But I I want to win that national title. I tell presidents and senior uh, university staff members all the time. Nobody asks the coach when they bump into them in the community. Nobody asks them, "Hey, what's your discount rate?" Uh, what was your GPA this year? All they, what they ask them is, are you winning or not? How's your season going? Right. And, and so when I say it starts with a plan, what, what I think, what I did and what I would encourage a coach to do is where do you want to go with this program and what's it going to take to get there? Inevitably, it will take more resources than you currently have. And so if you're really determined to get there, Let's figure out a plan to to um, to harvest those resources that will enable you to do it. Because the beauty of it is, and what we found at Oklahoma City University is, um, it is the type of thing that builds momentum. Um, um, I, I can understand how people feel guilty when people are paying fifty thousand dollars to to attend their institution, uh, but at the same time, it's worth it. Uh, and and you're the reason why. Um, and I was in the same position. I couldn't send my kids to a school that that would cost that amount of money. And I certainly wasn't willing to go into that much debt. Mm -hmm. um, but I, what I would say to people is, you got to start with what do we want to accomplish? And, and that's got to be realistic. You know, it can't be we're going to endow every scholarship because that's that's three billion dollars, and that's not realistic, <laughs> right? Um, but set the goal and begin the effort to, to get you there. That's what I think. Um, we, so we talked about the financial side. This is the college recruiting weekly podcast. So I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up recruiting, um, at, at the small, medium sized level, what are you seeing as the challenges moving forward with recruiting, not only for, uh, the, the wins and the development of the program, but from a number standpoint, we have this reality in our country that, we are uh, 
coming into 2025 going to face an incredible shortfall of available college students, you know, compared to traditional class years. And I'm just wondering for among athletic directors, what do you hear uh, either what's going right or what's going wrong? And what are the challenges on the recruiting side of, of, you know, filling rosters and getting kids to campus? Yeah, I, I hear both sides of it. I, um, I talked to an athletic director yesterday who just added eight sports last year. Uh, um, and the reality when you do something like that is that several of the teams didn't make, you know, we, they just weren't thoughtful about let's bring in a new coach for a year and give them an opportunity to get out there. Um, I think it's the competition for students is as high as it's ever been. Um, we have been hearing about this cliff of, uh, of high school graduates that's upcoming. And, and I think lots of, uh, of, you know, I don't even want to say smaller schools. I have a large state university in my, and within 20 minutes of where I live, that their enrollment is down three or 4,000 students. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, it, is concerning and a challenge. I, I think in many cases, schools are unrealistic. Uh, they have football rosters of 150 kids and, uh, and uh, the reality of that is that come January, you're going to have 30 of them leave. Yeah. Um, football is a little bit of an anomaly because from what I can see, many of these schools just go back out and recruit 60 more the next year. And, and, so a little bit, um, I think that uh, it is, it requires more focus and expertise than ever. Um, I think we have a number of schools and mine included where uh, as we evaluate the success of your program, we're really going to start with what's your roster size and even maybe more than that. Um, what's the net revenue generated from that roster? Right. Um, and I think coaches, again, um, nobody in the world really asked the coach, what's your net revenue? They ask you if you win or lose. <laughs> and, but those priorities have changed a little bit on many campuses. Right. You know, the other thing that that is sort of circling uh, college campuses and the lives of college athletic directors uh, and just administration in general on campuses, I think as we head into this year, is the growing question nationally, uh, do I need a college education to be successful? Now, again, I graduated a long, long time ago. Um, uh, you know, now approaching you know, in the mid, you know, 35 some years ago. And back then, that was that really was one of the necessary components of success because a lot of the higher paying jobs, careers you might want would require a college degree. And now we've moved into this world where um, if I am a professional, you know, if I'm a kid who's really good at gaming uh, and, you know, that that's my thing out of high school, I could be making six figures or I could be on social media and I could, you know, be making uh, a living. And so there's, there's all of these different avenues now to make a living. And, I want to throw this out to you because one of the concerns that I have, if we look at colleges in general, not just athletics, but just the college message is uh, come here, we'll give you your degree and that'll give you a great start. And that's what everybody's saying. There's not really a distinction from school to school necessarily. And 
it seems like they're not aware of what's going on in the culture and in the economy that you really don't need a college degree. It could be a great option and it could open doors, but I don't need that the way I did 35, 40 years ago to jump into a higher paying job in the economy. Your thoughts on that, just the idea that we're going to have to start justifying here, not only which college to go to, but here's why you should want to go to college. Yeah, well, it's interesting that you bring up gaming because you'll know that in the last three or so years, esports became, you know, everybody sort of jumped on the esports bandwagon. Right, right. We've got to do this. Um, so colleges, in many cases, are trying to be creative and provide those programs that people really want. Mm-hmm. I think a bigger issue uh, when a young person is trying to make this decision of do I need college. A, a huge issue is the cost right? Um, because they're not just deciding like you and I, I'm from, I'm from your generation as well. It was just a given you're going to college. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't, you're never going to make it in life. Um, that was just kind of what we were taught right. to believe. Um, but now, but, but, there we didn't really have this conversation about and you're going to have a huge amount of debt when you get done with <laughs> right. it that, yeah. that so now you've got this degree and you're going to start in a starting position and i don't know about you dan but my first job after i had a master's degree paid me 600 bucks a month um, <laughs> you know I, yeah. I i relate to that underpaid assistant coach because if you want to work in athletics we all start at the bottom and it's not um, it's not a very lucrative place to be. And I think that's when I talk about some of the staffing challenges, that is a reality. So um, it, it, I think you've hit on an important point and we talk a lot about the cost of education and what do I get for that? And do I really want to start my life after college worried mostly about the debt that I incurred while I was in college. So, um, you know, for Oklahoma City University, where I spent most of my career, uh, one of our responses to that was really looking at programming that uh, leads to a more definitive employment opportunity. Mm -hmm. Things like healthcare, nursing, we had a PA program, physical therapy, and, and the areas that I saw really diminish were those good old history majors and mm-hmm. English. And uh, uh, it just, um, I think those general education, liberal arts programs are really dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, what you're saying goes back to one of the points you made earlier, which is the importance of administrators and coaches being able to discuss money because having that conversation with the family as they're looking into college and your program and competing for you, maybe uh, that's going to be one of the things that I think increasingly coaches are going to have to be good at answering and being comfortable talking about the money aspect of this decision. The other interesting thing you brought up esports and so I, 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 we've, we work with some esports coaches and I've talked to some esports coaches and they're coming from the gaming world. They're not, they're not athletes in the traditional sense. They've come into this as good gamers and now they're tasked with building this program. And one of the things that they've identified uh, over and over again is uh, as a gamer, 
um, it's really, or as a gaming coach, they've told me it's really hard to get really the gamers that we want that would bring us, you know, wins and, and prominence because those gamers spend, if you're going to be good at gaming, eight to 10 hours a day gaming. Yeah. What are the NCAA regulations on an athletic practice? To, you know, it's, it's a fraction of that. And so they go out to the gamers and say, come and, and compete for us. But, but by the way, you can only practice for, you know, two hours and that doesn't make sense for the gamers. And so again, this, it's interesting this point in time to see colleges actively trying to address and diversify maybe programs, but yet they're still holding on to some of these old rules of traditional practices in that case. Um, so it's just, it's this put, it's this push pull between the past and the present that is really interesting to watch, but obviously important for a college to figure out how to address. Yeah. And I think um, for coaches, what I, it's so critical that you're committed to providing a great experience. What we can do with athletics is we can give you the opportunity to continue to pursue your passion, your, the sport you're passionate about. And so, you know, that ideal kid has a passion as a student athlete, but also wants the college experience. And, and where I see so many schools struggling is with these uh, expanded rosters. Mm-hmm. And just the reality is that, that you have one coach and maybe a part-time assistant or maybe even a full-time assistant. And it's really hard to prove and provide the hands-on uh, experience that kids are expecting. Um, that maybe they were promised or was alluded to during the recruiting process. So um, we ask an awful lot of coaches, you know, uh, we just talked about how coaches have to get involved in raising money. And, and if I'm a coach, I'm saying, well, wait a minute, I've got 62 players on my roster and you've told me you better provide them a great experience and maybe even create a junior, uh, a junior varsity team. Um, And so it's, it's, um, uh, often we educate senior administrators about what a coach really does because they think, well, golly, all you do is show up and play some games and how hard is it? And the answer is it's really hard. Right. Um, the expectations that we have for a coach are borderline unrealistic in some cases. Um, you know, and just to sort of build off of that, because you mentioned, you know, the importance of, of offering the experience and how important that is. Well, the reason it's important, I think, for a lot of colleges at all levels, small, medium and large, is now the culture around transferring. Um, if I don't like it here, and if I do like it at your school, I might love it at the other school. And so I'm going to go I'm going to go try that. And we're, again, 15, 20, certainly 30 or 40 years ago, that was not only frowned upon, but really hard to execute and do to transfer. And now we've made it easier. And I'm not saying that's wrong because, you know, coaches get to switch jobs. Why can't an athlete go and, and experience something else? But it does put one additional layer, one additional onus onto the coach to provide that experience. And really the athletic department, what are you doing to provide the experience to keep kids there uh, because it's much harder, I think, to replace somebody who's left versus recruit a new athlete. Um, so can you talk to me a little bit about what you're hearing athletic directors 
talk about with you in terms of transfers and the culture around that and just now rosters not necessarily being set year to year or being able to project out four years they're going to change regularly and that's going to potentially benefit you you might get some good transfers but coaches now i know are talking to us all the time about how do i keep my kids i have a bunch of kids leaving and i didn't experience that before and it's one of the things that as we head into this year i think is on the mind throughout the college athletic world yeah, I think it's just like wins and losses. You're not going to win them all. Uh, I'm hearing the same things from the administrators that I work with, that this is becoming a bigger issue to deal with. Um, and so I, I don't know the magic answer beyond the fact that uh, not everybody's going to get the amount of playing time uh, right. that they think they deserve. I mean, and I guess maybe, Jim, what I was going to ask, maybe I've, I should have added this, that if it's our job in athletics to recruit the athlete, but then keep them happy at the school, or, and it, let's say it doesn't even relate to playing time because you have starters that are transferring as well. Um, are there things that athletic directors are trying to do to keep kids there, to create more of that experience, whether you're starting or not? Because I think that's one of the needs moving forward is that um, written a couple of articles on the idea that coaches now, and I'll extend that to athletic directors and departments, are almost going to have to be like cruise directors on a cruise ship, that our job here is to make your experience happy and good and whether you're starting or not. And again, a lot of coaches, ADs that are listening to this might say, that is definitely not my job. And I'd make the case that it's increasingly going to become your job because of what we're talking about here. Yeah, it is. Um, and we sort of went through that transition during my time as an athletic director, where we understood that retaining a student was certainly easier than going out and finding the next starter for your team. Um, but uh, I think a, an important part of that is understanding the factors that lead to this, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's cost or a family circumstance or playing time uh, or uh, academic issues. Um, uh, I think that's where you start is, is trying to identify the trends that lead to people leaving. It's not always easy because kids aren't always honest. You know, they might just say, Hey, I can't afford to stay here. Um, uh, but I think that's the starting uh, place. Um, more so it is critical that coaches find the time to care about student athletes beyond their position on the team, mm -hmm. um, to care about their academic well-being, to care about, I mean, their mental well-being. Think about how uh, prominent that has become in our world. Um, you know, you and I grew up in a period where we didn't care, you know, rub a little mud on it and keep right. going. And uh, Or even if we did care, our coach usually didn't care. Well, <laughs> rub the mud on it. <laughs> we, we just didn't have the courage to share, right. share that we were a little anxious or felt, or I'm feeling overwhelmed. We just, you just didn't do that. And, and I'm grateful that we're in a time in life where you have that ability to do it. Um, I just think more uh, the I often told folks that the advantage a student athlete has is they have one more person or two, a coach and a head coach that are advocates for them that can monitor what's going on academically that can uh, kind of understand where they're at mentally. Um, but that only works if the coach has sort of a system in place that allows for some 
mental downtime and allows for more of a personal relationship as opposed to just keep running until I tell you to stop. Uh, and, and, you know, that was the era we grew up in is you just keep running till, till you throw up. And, uh, so, um, you've hit an important point here and, um, you know, the longer I talk, the longer I, the more I believe that we're asking an awful lot of coaches. Uh, it is a very, very important job and it can be very rewarding, but maybe more than ever, we're getting beyond whether you won or lost. Mm-hmm. I don't know that society has because right. society only cares, are you winning or not? Um but as an administrator, what I know is, is we have important jobs and they're important because we have the opportunity to positively impact a young person's life. And, and that's last thing I wanted to ask you about sort of dovetailing off of what you just said. We've gone over all of these new challenges, all the things that are going to make it tough for a coach, or at least cha- more challenging other things they're going to have to get good at doing. And we've sort of given them a laundry list of, you know, you know, here you go. You better get good at this. You know, end us on a positive note as far as the role of small college athletics, not only in in college life, but in society and the coach, the athletic director in those departments being the center of that. Um, uh, what, what is your pep talk for uh, for this new year to, uh, to for them? Well, uh you know, I would, I would say the same thing that I just did. Our um, athletics continues to be an important part of the fabric of our life. Uh, it's not going away. Uh, every night I watch the news and there's the sports. I pick up the paper or I read it online, more likely, and there are sports reports. So what we do um, is important and it's not going away. Um, like every other a faction of life, there are some challenges. Uh, I think for me, uh, what I would often tell people is we just play sports because we love it. And, and that's more at the smaller college side. Mm-hmm. End of the day, whether we won the championship or not, and, and in our case, we won a lot of them. Um, it was mostly about the brotherhood, the lessons that you learn, the teamwork, perseverance, goal setting, problem solving that are so critical um, to a person's development um, that allow former athletes like you and me to prosper later in life using those same tenants on a daily basis. Um, so, the, you know, a lot of people don't understand what goes into working in sports. They think, oh, wow, that's cool. Uh, you're the athletic director. And, and rarely did I tell them that involved occasionally escorting a stray dog off the field or, (laughs) or, you know, we need more nacho cheese in the concession stand, but uh, at, at the basic level, having the opportunity to help mold and to care about and love a 19 or 20 year old who needs your structure and guidance is worth it. Um, and so we get so uh, wound up and beaten down and involved in the grind sometimes that we don't stop and realize that, uh, you know, 30 years from now, that's that's really the contribution that, that you get to make uh, that is so rewarding. 
College Recruiting Weekly is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2022 through 2023. To contact the host, email him at dan at dantutor.com. And do us a solid, Coach. Rate and review our podcast right now. Plus, it wouldn't kill you to tell your fellow coaches about it, would it? So do that, too. And stay tuned for the next amazing episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. Oh, oh, oh.